0: some things, understand some things today, and then cause us to change in our will, in our thinking, in our attitude, so that we bend towards your truth. We begin to operate in obedience to you on these things. For Jesus' name's sake, amen. amen. Here again is a definition of faith I want to give to you, Christian faith. It's faith in God through Jesus' Son by the power the work of the holy spirit and it's according to truth it's according to scripture if you depart from the scripture you can have a religion but it's not christian all right christian religion is based upon truth working by the holy spirit faith is not a power we operate some people talk like this have faith new your faith put your faith to work no faith is not focused upon an outcome that's magic is focused upon God who works all things, even now you're working. You know, we sang that earlier? God works in things, and our faith simply depends upon him and cooperates with him in the great things that he does that we could not do, except we trust him. Jesus' faith is God, what Jesus said, have faith in God. And. The whole Christian life is summed up by this scripture in Habakkuk, the just shall live by his faith. And the first example of that in scripture that we're pointed to is Abraham. Abraham was justified by grace through faith. He's the model for every one of us who enters into God's covenant of grace. We live by faith, simply depending upon trusting and obeying God. So far in these last few weeks, we've worked through these things. Just to remind you, faith towards God, faith believes the Lord, that's his word, faith obeys the Lord, faith uh, receives and handles and, and, and cooperates with God's promises. Faith prays, faith repents, and that's not just a one-off thing, but there's a constant lifestyle of renewal, of learning, of having to get rid of some things and embrace new things. Repentance, faith and forgiveness, faith and community, a couple of weeks ago, and then last week, faith and finance. And there in faith and finance, of course, I was telling you that tithing, giving, uh, giving our first fruits for God, is not the law. It's not legalistic. Abraham did it hundreds of years before the Lord. It belongs to the covenant of grace which preceded the law and continues after the law. The law was an interim, a little, little interruption in the flow of God's covenant of grace. And so we live like Abraham, bringing our first fruits, our ties to God. You can catch up on any of those on podcast. And by the way, if anybody ever wants a copy of, of my notes, just ask, and I'll, I'll email them to you or print them for you. Okay. Today we come to this, faith and discipline. Faith and discipline. The word discipline is often taken to mean correction and even punishment for doing wrong. But that's, that's, that's that's a secondary negative meaning of the word discipline. It has a more positive meaning. It's being taught to build boundaries and patterns of behavior that help us to do well. And in that sense, it's used in Hebrews 12, where, where Paul says we receive the discipline of the Father. Yes, sometimes it is correction, but it's also it's training so we learn to live in a way that is good for us and glorifying to God. Great quote from Abraham Lincoln, good old Abe. Discipline is choosing between what you want now and what you want most. Making the choice. Now the opposite of discipline is, you might say, indiscipline. But that's just the lack of discipline. Actually, let me tell you that I would suggest that the opposite of discipline is dissipation. It's wasting, wasting time, opportunity, money, whatever. If you're not disciplined with something, you're wasting it. Dissipation. Here's a scripture: Ephesians 5:17. Therefore, do not be unwise. But understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine or any other form of alcohol. Don't run around that one and think, oh, it's okay to drink this if you don't drink wine. But in which is dissipation. You get drunk and what have you done? You've wasted your time. You've wasted your energy. You've wasted your health. But be filled with the Spirit. Wasted time, wasted energy, wasted passion, wasted health. When I was a younger person than I am now, People would sometimes say, maybe it's the Midlands where I grew up, oh, that guy's a waster. And I I remember that word, waster. I mean, it's not swearing, is it? But it's it's really strong language. He's a waster, that fellow. No, nothing and no one mattered to him. He felt and shouldered no responsibility. He avoided accountability and lived for nobody but himself and without discipline. A waster. Success starts with discipline. You know, it, child prodigies, you know, are amazing things, but you know, very few child prodigies work out for the, for really well in the long run. You don't hear anything of them. They fade from view. Because in the long run, it's diligence that matters more than brilliance. You can't become a doctor of medicine without diligence. You can't become a good lawyer without diligence. You can't become a, a well-equipped accountant without diligence. You have to study. You have to do the work. In the long run, diligence outweighs brilliance. No serious athlete is indisciplined. Even snooker players nowadays not only spend hours each day at their practice tables, many of them are giving up smoking or drinking because they know they need to be healthier. They need their brain to work, not to be numb. You put in the time and the effort, you go through the drills, the routines and you build strength, stamina and skill. We've seen it, we're going to be seeing it tonight aren't we, many of us watching a football game. In football and tennis, practice pays. You can't play football at the highest level for 90 minutes and more or a tennis match for hours at a time without a thorough training regime, without discipline and diligence. This analogy is used in scripture to point us to the necessity of discipline for the sake of godliness. Paul compares himself and us as Christians to the athletes who competed in the Olympic Games. They started 776 BC, a very long time ago. But in the the town of Corinth in Greece, they held every two years an Olympic style competition, based on the old Olympics. And so Paul's writing to the church in Corinth where they have an Olympic thing every two years. And he says to them, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate, is disciplined, is self-controlled in all things. They do it to obtain a perishable crown, which was actually just a wreath of pine leaves and twigs. How many of you vote for a, a, a crown of, tw- of pine? You know? Yeah. But we do it for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run, thus not with uncertainty. Thus, I fight, so, not, not as one who beats the air. I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I've preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul says, I discipline myself to run and fight and endure, so I receive the imperishable, enduring crown that will be handed to me, to me by the Lord Jesus. Paul's right, speaking to the Ephesian elders. He's not going to see them again. He knows the, the thing that's going to happen to him in Jerusalem and then in Rome. And he says, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry or service which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And in his last letter ever written, his second letter to Timothy, his young uh, protégé, Paul knows he'll soon die as a martyr for Christ. And he says, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. There, the fight and the race were almost over for Paul, and his imperishable crown was waiting in the hands of Jesus, as he pictures it. Paul chose discipline so that he would not fall and fail in the fight and race of faith. Now, how many of you have felt in this last year and a bit, year and a half even, in a bit of a fight? Life's been a bit of a struggle. Yeah? Well, we fight with faith. And we fight for faith to deal with life. Just as an athlete can't compete without accepting personal commitment to whole life disciplines. So a Christian who wishes to grow in the grace of God and to his name must choose those disciplines that build a healthy and godly lifestyle of faith. If we're to be disciples of Christ, we must choose and practice disciplines. All right, this is not got out of a book. It's out of me, out of my head, putting it together. So I, I may even regret putting it this way by tomorrow. But disciplines of the body, physical disciplines. We need to discipline our appetites, our appetite for food, our appetite for rest, because if you overwork that one, you become a lazy so-and-so. Self-control, self-denial, knowing how to do without. Practicing fasting, though fasting is a discipline you do not not just for the body, but for your soul, for your spirit, to connect with God in prayer. Eating well, eating what's good for you, not, not foolish food, junk food, but not overeating. Choosing nutritious, healthy food. And eating enough. but Not more than you need. Appetites. Exercise. Keep moving. Keep breathing. Meaning you make yourself breathe. You get up and you you walk until you're a bit breathy, until you breathing more deeply. That's good exercise. If nothing else, walk more. Think about getting in the car to go to the shops and say, shall I walk to go to the shops? Exercise. Rest and sleep. We all need... On average, about seven hours a night's sleep. Staying up to watch a box set is dissipation, not discipline. And in the law, and before the law, we believe, Sabbath was given to uh, the, the people as a one day of rest in a week, one whole day of rest. Let me say that again. One whole day of rest. Now, I'm not a strict sabbatarian saying you must take a day off on a Saturday and you mustn't do any of this. You, nor on a Sunday, all right? But I'll tell you, when our day of rest is, want to get it, Monday. Monday is, for Carol and I, our day off. And so we we, we, we take some time out. We do get some exercise. We take some rest. We, we do some bits and pieces for ourselves for, the, for our own hassle. Day of break from work. Disciplines of the mind, things that you do with your intellect, with your, with, with, with your thought life. Reading, firstly scripture, then other helpful literature, good theology, history, sciences, things that help you to understand the world you're in, and so on. Read. Study, following through on something, not just th- reading, but thinking about it, and working with it, and maybe looking up other things, and following something through. Don't just use YouTube. Why? Because there's a whole heap of nonsense out there, folks. All right, you'll wade through a whole heap of trash before you find something useful. So unless you're really disciplined, all right, be careful when you open that up. Writing: put down your thoughts. You can do it with a pen or with a keyboard; doesn't matter. But keep it. Maybe keep a journal. Over there, there's a little black book, brown binder book. All right, that's my journal. It's loose leaf. I take pages out, I put new pages in. Every day as I'm reading, I write down a thought. I write down a scripture, or I write down a thought about the sermon I'm going to preach in the next week or two, because it comes to mind. I write it down, so I've trapped it, I've caught it. Trapping the thought, coming back to it again, that's important. Maybe write down the thing you've prayed, not the whole prayer, but just a headline. You know, I asked the Lord today for this, and you can look back some weeks later, as Carmelo could, and say, that's the breakthrough that I was asking for. from the Lord. And you give thanks to him. Write things down. Meditation. Sorry, back up here. Meditation. How many of us can actually sit in a quiet room in silence and just think? Good. Because it's, it's, a, it's a lost habit. You know, we, we, we reach for the phone, we, we reach for the remote. Yeah? Just think. Sit before the Lord consider scripture, think through some problems, turn them into problems, into prayers. I used to love to do this when I used to go to a gym that had a sauna. I'd do a big workout. At the end of that, have a shower, sit in the sauna, and I'd take another 15 minutes, and I would just sit. If anybody came in, I, of course, I had to talk to them and end up witnessing to them very often, but never mind. Um, just to sit and be quiet and think before the Lord. Meditation. Prayer. Turn what you read, what you write, and what you think back to the Lord. Present yourself to him. Ask for his wisdom, his understanding, and the courage to act. The one upon the conviction and the leading he gives to you. All right, rattling these things through disciplines of the heart. In other words, your emotional life, your feelings. Disciplines of the heart. Please deal with hurts and disappointments and discouragements. Don't let them. Take root as bitterness and resentment and wrath and vengeance. I'm going to have them for this. I'm going to sort them out for this. Don't let it happen. Deal with them. How do you deal with them? You make open-hearted prayer to the Lord. You talk to him about it. And if you think, oh, that's a bit risky, David. Go and read the Psalms, please. Look at King David doing it. He brought his disappointments, his discouragements, his offenses, his bitterness, his anger, his frustrations before the Lord and got his answers from God. Praise and thanksgiving to the Lord is also very good for us. It's to turn your hearts back around again by giving thanks to God for his... You know, we used to sing the old song, count your blessings, name them one by one. Well, some of us need to do that. Do a bit of thinking, count some things off, and then give thanks to God for his goodness to you. But deal with your heart. You know, it's a tricky thing. There's still still a fallen nature at work within you. So you need to deal with the things that will lead it astray, and put it into the smelly pool of whatever over here, okay? Deal with those things. Disciplines of time. Time is a very precious resource, said the man in the 60s, standing in front of you. And our modern world provides us with more ways than ever to waste our time and our energy. Therefore, part of the battle for us as Christians in this modern age is to fight against the pull of wasted time. Things that divert us, that dissipate our time and energy. So we end up being tired at the end of the day, but we haven't really achieved much at all, because all we've done is we've dealt with that and that and that and that and looked at this and looked at that and looked at that. Your time and energy each day is limited. You do need to sleep at night. You will run out of energy by whatever, 9.30, 10 o'clock, 10.30, 11.00. Allocate the time to do what you really want to do. Please don't say, I don't have time to do it. No, you need to organize the time to do what you really want to do. Remember, Abe Lincoln, discipline is is choosing against what you want to do to what you most want to do, what your higher priority is. Work time, of course, we all need to put in time and effort. Our, Our work is necessary, but set your limits. We know overtime increases some income, but it costs you in other ways. It takes its toll on you and on your family and on your other responsibilities. Make time for family. Make time for relationship. Make time for friendship. Allocate time for the disciplines I've just listed. Resist the, the siren calls. You know what a siren was? A siren was, 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 was it, it's a Greek legend. Some ladies who sat on a rock in the sea and sang sweet songs to the sailors. And as like sailors moved towards the song, they, their, 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 their ships were crushed on the rocks and they were drowned. The sirens lured them to their death. The siren calls of social media, TV programs, texts and emails. Don't answer emails and texts straight away because then you give them the impression you're on there all the time. Do you want everybody to think you're on there all the time? You don't want to be on there all the time. So do you know what? Give yourself times in the day when you deal with your correspondence and don't do it all the time. Use catch-up and on-demand things on TV and so on. You know, you don't need to watch it at a day o'clock. You can watch it when you're ready to watch it. Three days later, you know? You think now I'm gonna have some time out. I'm gonna have an hour or two hours, I'm gonna watch those two programs. Right? You save them. You can do it on catch-up. Don't be, don't let the world push you into its time frame. Say, do you know what? I can fight against that. I can do things when I choose to. Remember to give time to your home. A house doesn't clean or renovate itself, and a garden needs cutting, watering, and tidying from time to time. Make the time. Plan. In your days, in your week, when do you give time to housework or gardening, whatever. Mark out time for you to take exercise and mark out time for you to have rest. Rest is important. Remember the principle of Sabbath? Then, those are just personal disciplines, you might say personal disciplines, but then there are disciplines of grace. You see, we talk as theologians, scholars, about the means of Grace. I'm talking about them as sacraments. I'm not a sacramentalist. I don't believe in sacraments. I believe in means I'm a Protestant. I believe in means of grace. There are things that God has given us by which His grace comes to us. Okay? Obviously, things like prayer, like reading Scripture. But we need to use those things with discipline. Praying, reading Scripture, fellowshipping with our fellow Christians, breaking bread, which we'll do in a while, worship. These access the grace of God, and we need to do these things with rhythm and regularity, not Not dropping them, not not forgetting them. Reading the Bible through day by day is a choice, a discipline. Praying every day is a choice, a discipline. Worship, praise, and thanksgiving. We choose to do them, we give our time to them. Coming to church, to a church meeting, to engage with worship and teaching and communion is a choice and a discipline, and we won't have any limits on that in a few weeks' time. We can all come. You don't have to take turns to come or say, well, go one week and I won't go another week because there isn't space. There will be space. A few weeks' time, there'll be 250 chairs back in this room, all right? Joining and attending a small group, twos and threes, or a, or, or a house group, a, a neighborhood group, is a choice and a discipline because then we engage with one another and we talk back over things we're learning together. We choose a discipline to pursue a goal in life. And our goal in life is this, godliness. That's a very old-fashioned word, isn't it? But it's used surprisingly often in the New Testament letters. Godliness is not being religious, doing your little bit of going here and doing your hour there. Godliness is a whole life that is God-centered, God-focused, God-honoring. Discipline yourself for the sake of godliness. Here's Paul writing to Timothy again, his first letter. But reject profane and old wives' fables... I'm not going to explain what that means at a point in time. And ex- exercise yourself towards godliness. Discipline yourself towards godliness. For bodily exercise, going to the gym, having a run, profits a little. Yeah, it's good for you. But godliness is profitable for all things. Every bit of life gets, gets affected and improved and nourished by God. the choices of godliness having a promise for the life that now is, this is good for now, and of that which is to come, and it's good for future life to come. We're pursuing godliness in a godless world. So the more we choose godliness, the more different we'll become from the unbelieving world. What is true in the pursuit of athletic achievement is true also for us in pursuing godliness. There is little strength or success without Discipline. Discipline shows that we accept our responsibility and our accountability, and we're committed to grow in grace and become more mature. Disciplines and rhythms and routines of life and faith hold us to purpose, keep us on track. We set the boundaries for ourselves. We choose the routines and disciplines that keep me focused and on track. Now, I can teach you and advise you and even warn you about making the choices. But I cannot choose for you. I cannot dictate to you. You must choose and make those changes. You decide. You set the boundaries. How you run your time. When you go to bed. What time you set the alarm in the morning. So your life begins to have some shape. How you handle food as an appetite and so on. How life has shape. You must make those choices yourself. Every one of us must fight through in faith. Faith must fight through, and faith must finish well. In his letter to Hebrews, which we, Paul's letter to Hebrews, which uh, we, after chapter 11, where well, there's a roll call of people of exemplary faith, Paul then addresses his he- readers and hearers in this way. Therefore we also, since we're surrounded by so great a crowd of witnesses, that's the Old Testament saints he's talked about, not, 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 not angels, lay aside every weight And the sin which so easily enslaves us, and let ensnares us. Sorry, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the Author and Finisher of our faith. He's at the start line and the finish line, if you want to put it that way, of the race. Who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. My friends, we are called to follow Jesus to the end. We can't do that without some discipline, some self control, some real thoroughly worked through choices about how we handle ourselves, how we handle our time, how we handle appetites, how we handle our, our hearts, how we handle our minds, how we handle our thought life. Are you in the right race, the fight? You're in the race? Then choose these disciplines of faith and life to fight and run well. And to continue to do so in the end. Can I talk to you afterwards, Toy? Can I talk to you afterwards? After? Yeah, please. No? No, not now. (laughs) We're going to break bread together. Let's do this now. You got your. anybody not got one? We'll get one to you. Raise your hand if you haven't got one, and uh, Linda will bring a tray out around. Okay i just put these words over this picture. In breaking bread, we remember the Lord Jesus until he comes. And the bread is a symbol of his body which was broken for us, and the wine is a symbol of his blood which was shed for us. One day, we'll stop doing this. Do you know that? Because instead of a little meal that reminds us about Jesus we will eat a meal with Jesus. This is the Lord's table until we arrive at his table. Father, we thank you for Jesus, and we remember again his body which was broken for us, and we remember it by taking this little wafer and giving thanks to Christ, our Savior. Amen. Jesus took the last cup of wine during that Passover meal with his disciples. And he didn't say the traditional prayer. He said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Drink it. Remember me. We drink grape juice, giving thanks to Jesus Christ. Made redemption, full redemption, the price of his blood. Somebody needs to tell the young people they should be back in here to help us to close our meeting. No. I found this graphic, it's a bit dark, I know, but it's a song we sing sometimes. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. It's a song we sing, and we often sing it with some gusto, you know, but, you know, we, we have to make choices, real choices, yes and no issues. This is better than that choices if we are really setting our hearts out, intentions, on following Jesus. We have to choose for ourselves some boundaries and some disciplines that keep us where we need to be. Pursuing godliness. Living a God-centered, God-honoring life through Jesus and through the help of the Holy Spirit. I've decided to follow Jesus. We've prayed... Earlier on, for those who are going to be traveling in these difficult times, and for those who are dealing with different issues of uh, family life, needing to um, deal with those who they've lost, Uh, others are coming up with birthdays in this next week or so, and uh, let me just uh, remind you that, uh, you know, a birthday is not just one year older, it's a year nearer seeing Jesus. (laughs) There is some good news in that too, all right. All right, let me pray and then we'll just get our worship team to lead us in song. Father, your grace is more than enough for us, and your provision is more than enough for us. And Lord, you provided everything we need for life and godliness, you've given us those things through your promises. We come and say, Lord. We, we shouldn't come to you and say, Lord, I lack this. We should say, Lord, I don't have this, but you have it for me. Your hand is open towards me so that I am nourished and strengthened and built up to get on and be this godly person you've called me to be. And I pray, Lord, that your word today will work in our hearts to call us to make some step changes, not everything in one go, just to deal with this one. That choice, one by one, to bring things to a new order of a life that honors you in every part. One old hymn says that our ordered lives should confess the beauty of your peace. We want lives that confess your beauty and that bring us to peace. We're not struggling. We're not flapping around. We know where we're walking, moment by moment, step by step in the grace of God, towards the kingdom of God. Thank you, Father. May Jesus Christ be honored in us through us, we pray. Amen. 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 All right. Good. Musicians and singers, begin to make your way up here, please. And uh, I finished, obviously, a bit quicker than I thought I would. I didn't write a longer sermon today. Um, and I'm going to step down there, we're going to sing together in a moment or two, and then I'll just come up and bring a, a word of blessing, dismissal, encouragement, before we go, and have some conversations, hopefully, before you go home. We don't chase you out, we don't chase you away, you can have have a chat with somebody, find some space to do it before we go. Okay, Thank you.